You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We are still on location here with our friends at Uncommon Farms in Tucson, Arizona. We've made some changes to the way we're doing radio today. Hopefully all of you can hear us a little bit better today. Folks, as we take a look at the ag industry, the grain markets are struggling to find direction here today. We've got that World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates coming out later today. February, we don't typically expect very much from those reports, but... We'll have a breakdown of those numbers tomorrow here on AOA. Today, we are going to continue our conversation with our friends from Uncommon Farms. And joining us to start the show is Michelle Goki. She serves as the Senior Vice President for Operations, also functions as General Counsel here for Uncommon Farms. And Michelle, if you would, for our listeners tuning in for the first time, Give us the elevator pitch. What is Uncommon Farms? Yeah, well, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having us, and thanks for being here this morning. Um, Uncommon Farms, first and foremost, really is a community of farmers. It's made up of farmers, expert resources, coaches, other business professionals, and um, we all have one focus in mind, and it's helping our farm families define and achieve their goals. Define and achieve their goals. That sounds like success. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what success looks like here for Uncommon Farms members? Yeah, so our, our success model for our members really is it's focused on our members and it's got four main components. And at the center of that is our coaching. Um, then we have our expert resources. Third component of that is our community. And the last component is our strategic partners, which are other industry experts. Um, so when we start with uh, the coaching at the center, every member that joins our organization has a coach and that coach works with them um, throughout the process, first through a strategic planning process. And from that process, what they end up with is a set of goals and objectives for the year. Coach acts as a re uh, an accountability partner and a thought partner so that they can make sure those goals are met. So how do you pair up the new members with their coaches? How does that process work? Yeah, it, it's, it just depends on what the member is looking for, right? It depends on what their goals are, what their family dynamics look like, and we take the coaches and their knowledge and expertise and we pair them accordingly with, with what the member needs are. Michelle, you mentioned family dynamics. And of course, when we're talking farm businesses, those family dynamics are a huge concern, but they're often separate, perhaps from business. How do you make that work here, working with the members at Uncommon Farms? Yeah, so I, I, every family's got their own dynamics, right? And every family is facing different issues. But a lot of times the core of those issues are the same. And so what we try to do is we try to make it not personal, and didn't take it back to what is the business aspect or what is the business reason that we're, we're causing conflict and are we aligned? And if we're aligned, chances are we can solve those problems, move the member forward so that they can continue to progress. So after you've met with your coach, you've identified some of the issues in your operation that perhaps you'd like to improve to get closer to that success. Michelle, how do you bring in those export re expert resources here at Uncommon Farms? Yeah, so the, the coach is, is very familiar with what we have both on, you know, on staff and not on staff. Um, but we really focus on kind of five major areas and that, that's the strategic planning, it's management and leadership for the organization, financials, um, we all know financials are super important in any sort of business, human resources, and then succession. 
Ah, and of those issues, those are all huge. Yeah. Michelle, I want to ask you about all of them, but I, I want to start with HR because labor has been a massive challenge for farms over the last three years. How have members worked to, to find a labor solution? So you're right. Labor is an issue, I think, and not only in the ag industry, but it's an issue that we're seeing all across North America. And what we do is we just look at do they have defined job descriptions? What can they do to keep people that are happy? You know, so we're looking at benefit plans and we're looking at, um, you know, different things that maybe you haven't seen in the ag industry before and, and talking about what worked for you and why did your people stay and how did you incentivize them and what kind of bonus plans did you offer them? Michelle, when I think about HR and uh, coming from a, a small family farm background, I think, my goodness, there's a lot here I want nobody at HR to ever get a look at on my operation. How do those experts in HR at Uncommon Farms help me address that concern? Well, I think first and foremost, um, we're, they trust us, right? And so as long as they trust us, they're willing to let their guard down and, and share because most of what we see isn't people that don't want to do what's right. They want to do what's right. They want to treat their employees right. And so sometimes they just don't know the rules and regulations to be able to do that. So it's really pretty easy for us to come in and say, here's here's, here's what you really need to be doing. Now let us help you figure out how that fits on your operation. And Michelle, I know that you are an attorney as well. And you talked about the rules and regulations yeah. continue to change. That's scary to me as an outsider who doesn't deal with these rules and regs very often. Is that something you're keeping up on the team at Uncommon Farm so I don't have to on the ground? Yeah, and it's not just in the HR part of the world. Part of what we do from the company perspective is we look outward and we look at what is happening in agriculture, what is going on, what are the programs out there, what are the new regulations coming down, and we bring those back and talk about those as a group so that we can you know, move forward and, and have our members know and understand what's coming. And that group engagement, the community aspect you mentioned earlier, Michelle, that's so huge for Uncommon Farms. It, it really is huge, and it's it's a big piece of what maybe we do that you don't often see in the industry. Um, and or you see components of that, but we're more than just peer groups. So peer groups are part of our community, but it's much more than that. It's it's the training and it's the knowledge sharing and they come together in a, a little bit different way. At our peer groups, we share financial information. I mean, they kind of open their books and, and they find, you know, another farm is facing what I faced before. And so I have the opportunity to talk with them and see what they did right what maybe they didn't do right, because not only do we share successes, but we share failures. And so it's easy for members to, to come in and look at and say, okay, well, I'm going to tweak this for my operation and see if it works for me. Showing my books, opening my accounts. Michelle, that makes me very, very nervous. How long does it take for a farmer to grow comfortable and trusting enough in the Uncommon Farms ecosystem to share that sort of thing? It, it, it really depends. But when, you, when you're around the group, you see it's, it's like family. And so we're more like when we do conferences like a family reunion than a typical business meeting. And I think because of that, they get comfortable really easy. And our existing members that have been around for a while are very willing to share. And so when you're willing to, when you get that information, it makes you much more comfortable sharing that information. And Michelle, I mean, we're here experiencing that community in Tucson for the winter conference. What are some of the things that the participants here are going to be working on as a group? Yeah, so we've got, we actually have some workshops tomorrow afternoon, and one of those workshops is on succession. We've got one on hiring. You know, we talked about the labor market, and so how do you attract and hire employees? What are you, what are you doing 
We've got one on management. Um, just how do you manage? What are the tricks and tools that you're seeing? How do you help hold people accountable? Um, and, and in addition to that, you know, they've got a lot of networking time. We've got some excursions built in. So they just get an opportunity to sit and talk and learn from one another and really get to know the families. Michelle, if we've got listeners maybe who are a little curious about what you've put together here at Uncommon Farms, where can they go for some more information? Sure. You can go to our website, um, uncommonfarms.com. Always a you know, great, great source of information. We've also got a Facebook page. We've got you know, social media pages so they can check those out. Or if you happen to know of a member or you've heard a member that's talked on the radio before that you know who they are, reach out to them and they'd be happy to talk to you more about the organization. It is a very fun group. I've had the chance to talk with several folks here in Tucson for Uncommon Farms. There's a lot of optimism as we look out to the future. Folks, we've been talking with Michelle Goki, Senior Vice President for Operations and General Counsel at Uncommon Farms. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. And folks, stay with us here for segment two. We're going to talk with Josh Bakey, policy reporter at Farm Progress, about President Biden's State of the Union last night and what's coming in the world of ag down the line. Stay with us here for more AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. What a great organization, helping families in need like ours. It's a godsend. When an unexpected crisis strikes, Farm Rescue is here to help. Assistance is available free of charge to farm families experiencing a major injury, illness, or natural disaster. Our volunteers and equipment are ready to spring into action with planting, haying, and harvest support. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand, visit farmrescue.org today. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. On the first Wednesday of every month here on AOA, we get together for the monthly grind, a conversation about corn demand and the partnerships it takes to make that corn industry profitable with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association. Joining us now is Troy Schneider. He's the chair of the Market Development Action Team for the National Corn Growers Association. Had the chance back in December to travel over to Europe. Over in the European Union, when we were there for the CPA, one of the topics came up was the, the methane tax emission on cattle. And then the reduced use of um, pesticides. The farmers over in the European Union do not feel like they are appreciated, that they're wanted. What we all came away with is we need to learn from their mistakes. How do we go forward? How do we make sure that those policies don't come over here? We do have those policies coming to the head every once in a while here in the United States, but we have that strong voice within CBA, within CGA in Washington, D.C. This monthly grind recap is sponsored by the National Corn Growers Association. Be sure to tune in the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind here on AOA. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance. 
care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for making AOA a part of your day. You know, I'm down here in Tucson with our friends from Uncommon Farms, but across the country in Washington, D.C., politics is still happening, I think, to say the least. Last night, Tuesday night, we saw President Joe Biden give his State of the Union address. We've also seen some additional policy come out that impacts the ag industry. Joining us for an update on all of these issues is Josh Batege, policy reporter over at Farm Progress. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, good to be here, Mike. Let's start here with the uh, State of the Union from last night. Josh, President Biden stood up. What happened from an ag perspective? Anything we need to be aware of? You know, I think my biggest takeaway was just uh, potentially how far apart the parties might be. Uh, uh, the president didn't really speak a lot specifically to agriculture. He talked more in you know general terms about infrastructure, conservation, things like that. Um, you know, he started out, you know, trying to convey a, a bipartisan message, uh, really tout some of his accomplishments. But as the speech went on, it was obvious, you know, just kind of the disconnect between the two parties. Uh, one point when uh, they were, he was uh, mentioned that some Republicans uh, might have been considering cuts to Social Security and Medicare. There was a big, uh, you know, some booing. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene called him a liar. And that just kind of illustrated the, uh, you know, the disconnect between the two parties. And, you know, we'll see how that bodes for the farm bill, you know, the, uh, House committee is just uh, starting its first hearing on that today, and you know they're saying all the right things now, but but you know you can't get away from the fact that there's just this huge uh, difference in vision between the two parties right now. You know that is a great point, Josh. That State of the Union was the most raucous I can remember in a very long time, and yeah, as you mentioned, that sets us up for this farm bill debate. One question I've got for you: In the State of the Union, we've heard the Biden administration talk a lot about climate change. Was that something he hit on during the uh, State of the Union? You know, he, he didn't emphasize it a lot, but you know, he he uh, he framed it in the context of the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act last year, and uh, you know how he, he mentioned that they're going to do some of the most. Uh, uh, conservation efforts in history. He didn't get into specifics on that, so that remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, he he definitely you know is uh, you know touting a lot of spending programs uh, aimed at conservation, aimed at infrastructure improvements, which you know obviously a lot of the Republicans are uh, not keen on additional spending. So again, you know it, it sounds good on TV, but we'll see what the end result is down the road here. And Josh, you know, it's interesting. We've seen some some lines in the sand get drawn here recently between this Congress and this administration. And I'm thinking specifically about the waters of the U.S. proposal. Last week, it sounds like congressional Republicans have maybe launched a measure of disapproval of the Biden administration's new release. Talk us through what they're trying to do here and what it would do for WOTUS. Well, uh, basically, you know, Congress has the right to uh, to overrule uh, a, a presidential decree if if uh, both houses, both houses of Congress passed the law, and then the president signs. You know, obviously, right now, you know that that measure will ha likely pass in the House. 
unlikely to pass in the Senate and and definitely uh, facing a veto from from Biden. So it's probably more of a performative act. But but at the same time, you know, we still have the Sackett case coming down on the Supreme Court. We expect that ruling sometime in the spring. And that's ultimately probably what's going to decide. So, you know, most likely this is just posturing as politicians are want to do. Well, that's true. And it is that time of year. We see that posturing take effect. We're a long way from the next election. Now's the time to stick that line in the sand, Josh. But in the meantime, we've got things actually getting done in Washington, D.C. And notably, it's coming from the USDA. I'm talking here about some school nutrition standards. USDA is making some changes. Josh, what are they looking to do? You know, they're, they're looking to, I mean, I guess, I guess in a nutshell, they're looking to make school lunches healthier you know they, they set up some uh, new guidelines aimed at reducing sodium reducing sugar they'd be rolled out over uh, over the next i think seven to eight years uh they're beginning to take a comments or 60-day public comment period uh you know we had the dairy producers uh sent out a release last week kind of cautiously optimistic about it still concerned that that some of the uh, new provisions against flavored milk uh, may lead to uh, decreased dairy consumption in school. That's obviously a concern for them. So I think a lot of these groups are still looking through all the details of this plan, and we'll probably hear some more action here in the coming weeks. These plans, Josh, you mentioned this is going to take seven to eight years to implement. Is this something USDA does very often? Uh, you know, I, I not all the time. You know, this is this is a rare event. It's it's, it's uh, you know a lot of work went into this, and I, I think what we're seeing now will not be necessarily be the final version. I think you know it's kind of a, a rough draft or a first draft, if you will, and then we'll see what comes out here uh, later in the year. Josh, the other question I had for you was relating to some of the shakeups here in the executive branch. We've seen some new positions or some old positions finally get filled as we think of the trade representatives at USTA, uh, USDA and the U.S. Trade Representatives Office. But I'm curious about Jewel Brana, Dr. Jewel Brana stepping down from her post at USDA. Do we know, are there any names floating around in D.C. for possible replacements? You know, if, if you find those names, let me know, because I'm, I'm still digging around for that. I don't have anything definitive yet, but... Uh... You know, I'd expect that to be uh, something on that to come out sooner and later. What um, What's the timeline? Do we know for her resignation and officially sort of rolling back her duties at USDA? I think she's looking to, I, I, sorry, I don't have this in front of me here, but I believe it is early this month that she's looking to step away. She said she wanted to spend more time with family. And, uh, you know, th these days, you know, appointments and everything, you, you know, your guess is as good as mine sometimes in, in, in the, as far as the timeline goes. I'd expect this one to, to be sooner or later, but I, if I had to guess, I'd probably still say a matter of uh, weeks, if not a couple of months. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, and I hats off to those who serve in those roles. I don't think I would last nearly as long as, uh, as Dr. Brana has in her position there at USDA. Josh, you mentioned earlier, we've got the first committee hearing in the House uh, Ag side for this next farm bill. Those battle lines are being drawn. What are we expecting to see in this, uh, in this, in these early committee hearings? You know, I honestly, I think in the early committee hearings, Hearings, you know, I, I think, again, we're going to have everybody saying the right things. You know, everybody wants, you know, more, more crop, you know, better protection for farmers. We want to improve infrastructure, want to expand rural broadband. But as we get into more of the details, I think that's that's when you're going to see more of the confrontation and, and, and some of the issues come forth. So right now, you know, everybody's, everybody's saying the right thing today. I think the, the hearing started about an hour ago, and, and, and so far it's pretty straightforward. But I, I think, you know, as we get into this process, then, you know, we'll see how contentious it gets.
So, Josh, and in fact, I'm glad you mentioned this. With these committee hearings actually getting underway, this means that both sides, Democrats and Republicans, have fulfilled their their whole roster on the House side. Is the same true on the Senate side? Uh, yes, they, they 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 have announced that as as of last week, I believe, and uh, they should be. Uh, uh, now, now you caught me, Mike. I'm not sure the exact day, but I believe that that's coming up here in the next week or two when they begin their committee hearings as well. Okay, so we've got the House running now. That's getting started. Then we're going to have the Senate getting started on a parallel track. Of course, they're both going to be working to hammer out some details. And Josh, as you mentioned, it sounds like the claims from the floor, the claims I've heard as I've been at meetings, protect crop insurance, preserve those key components of the farm bill that have worked. Is there anybody calling for massive change, Josh, in the folks you've spoken with? Not in the ag committees. I, I think the bigger concern is, you know, overall in, in in the House caucus specifically, there are lots of calls for spending cuts. The question is, what do you, what do you cut? Because you know, the the obvious answer to to a lot of people would be the nutrition programs. But in order to to get something to pass, you need to have those states that that have the Democratic representatives that that's their priority. So it, you know, it comes down to this compromise here. And then, you know, that's where we're really going to see what happens when when the full house is involved and, you know, how much each side is willing to give and take. Yeah, it's all going to come down to who those new members are and what their priorities are once they start speaking at these committee hearings. And we'll get the fill on that here down the line. Josh, from a timeline perspective on this 2023 farm bill, are there any key dates that have firmed up yet? Or are we still waiting for these committees to get things hammered out in stone? You know, we're still waiting for that to get hammered out. I mean, the key day looming over everything is in September when the current farm bill expires. You know, there, there's been a little chatter about if, if things don't go well, extending that for a year to give more time to negotiate. I don't think anybody wants to do that. I don't think that's uh, a likely plan at this point, but that has been floated. And, you know, it may be kind of a stopgap measure, put it down the road a little bit if this gets more contentious in a few months here. All right, we'll continue to watch for updates from the House committee hearings. Josh, on the Supreme Court side, on the administrative executive branch side, are there any things you're watching out of D.C. here in the next couple of days? Um, you know, again, we're, we're the, the Sackett case is kind of kind of a broken record here, uh, waiting on that. That's probably still a few months away, but you know, that's obviously one of the one of the biggest issues. I, I think the case out of uh, California involving uh, the, the size of uh, of animal enclosures that's a big one coming down as well we can expect that in the spring but you know i really haven't heard specific dates yet just you know we know these things are coming and, and when they're announced you know we can expect big reaction and obviously major effects on on, on producers in general we certainly can. When D.C. acts, we all notice it down to every operation here across the country. Folks, we have been speaking with Josh Bakey. He's a policy reporter with our friends at Farm Progress. And Josh, thanks so much for calling in and giving us the update here with what's going on in D.C. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate you having me. And folks, stay with us. We'll be back with more AOA here with our friends from Uncommon Farms. We're going to have a little roundtable with a couple of Uncommon Farms members here when AOA returns. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. In farming, you know being early means you're right on time. 
That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system created the Spray Early Weed Control Guarantee. When you spray before or at planting, you can protect your investment and give your farm an advantage all season long. Find the tools and resources you need to spray early and guarantee your weed control at roundupreadyextend.com slash spray early. Guarantee is subject to program terms and conditions. Read and follow past site label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Stock futures were a bit weaker overnight following a generally positive response to an interview with Fed Reserve Chair Jerome Powell on Tuesday. Even so, the market continues to digest mixed signals it is getting from the data and from the Fed, although it should be noted that no fewer than five members of the Federal Open Market Committee will step in front of a microphone today, any one of which could make headlines to drive the market one way or the other. VIX is trading near 19 this morning. That's reflecting a general sense of calm on Wall Street. The U.S. dollar is leaking lower today. That's following several days of significant gains on the currency market. Crude oil prices are over 1% higher on signs of declining inventories, pushing prices back into the middle of the trading range that has largely contained the market over the past couple of months. Grain and oilseed prices were generally positive overnight, led by strength in soybeans, as traders focus a bit more on the short crop in Argentina and strength in the soy meal market. However, they have started to leak lower themselves this morning as well. Now, Bungie CEO Greg Heckman caught the attention of commodity traders this morning when he stated his expectation that tight global crop supplies, strong meal and vegetable oil demand, volatile prices and supply chain woes will continue through this year. Heckman also said that Argentina's drought-stricken soybean crop may be in the mid-30s million metric tons, down from 44 million metric last year. This is part of the justification for some fund managers to direct more money into the commodities to start the new calendar year. Focus over the last half of 22 was on declining demand expectations as recession worries grew around the world. The markets removed much, if not all, of the Ukraine war risk premium, even though those risks may actually be ramping up. But all attention will be on today's WASD crop report that will be released at 11 a.m. Central Time. The market is currently expecting Argentina's corn and soybean crops to both come down several million more metric tons. How we finish today will tell us a great deal about shifting sentiment in the commodity markets. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA is continuing today. We're talking with our friends in Tucson, Arizona with Uncommon Farms. In this next segment, we're going to have a little roundtable. We're going to get to know some of the members that make up this community here of Uncommon Farms. We've got three different members joining us for this next segment. We're going to talk with Matt Leishner, Karen Edwards, and Matt Emmerich about their experiences. And I think we ought to get to know them first a little bit. Matt Leishner, I'm going to throw it to you. Tell us a little bit about your operation. Where are you at? Sure. Uh, I farm near Parks in South Dakota and southeastern corner of the state, primarily corn bean farm with a, a few small grains thrown in there. All right. And how to go this past year? You guys were dry up there in South Dakota, weren't you? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough here. Not ideal. All right. We've also got Karen Edwards here. And Karen, tell us a little bit about your operation. Hey, so yeah, I'm Karen Edwards. We farm in Greenwood, Mississippi, which is in the heart of the Delta, about a 5,000 acre farm, and we grow cotton, corn, and soybeans. All right, and we've also got Matt Emmerich joining us. And Matt, tell us, where's your operation located? What do you guys grow? So we're from Southern Illinois, just straight east of St. Louis. Um, corn, soybeans, and a little bit of wheat, and just a couple of cattle. All right. We've got some diverse ideas and operations represented here. And Matt, I want to throw the first question to you. Can you tell us a little bit about the Uncommon Farms community and what prompted you to get involved? Yeah, it sure is a, a unique community. You know, there's there's lots of organizations like this around the um, nation, but this is really unique. It's We have producers from all over the country, all different commodity groups, specialty groups. And um, what really makes it unique in my mind is you can ask any of these farms anything and they will never tell you no um you know our coaches and some of the the staff here when we're working with them they may tell you no on things you want to do but if you go and ask some of the farms they've been there they've done that and they are more than more than uh, happy to um, share their experiences or even come um, to their farm and experience it with them you know we live in, in south dakota we're in the northern part of the nation we start things later than everybody else. So uh, there's opportunities for us to go and visit during planting and harvest and when we're not busy and see how these other farms operate and how we can improve our operation. Can you think of an example, Matt, where, where you've used that, the ability to talk and be honest with a community member and brought it back to your operation? Oh, sure. I mean, there's uh, we, we've uh, started to do a little bit of, of hay crop and there's uh, producers in here that have a vast more experience in hay than, than we have. And, and we tapped into that, that extensively. And when we tried to do that, yep. that is incredible. But of course, sharing with folks is, is constant as I've noticed just in my conversations mm. here with folks at uncommon farms, but Karen, I also understand it can be more deliberate with the peer groups. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, sure. So the peer groups are small groups that um, you break into a focus area, whether it be management, financial, transition, uh, that we discuss hot topics in ag, as well as struggles and wins that we're all experiencing. Uh, the peer groups should get very, very close. We learn a lot about each other. I say the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, learning from each other's mistakes and wins. And like Matt said, everyone's very happy to share what worked or what didn't work. And it's been really good. Karen, I'm curious, how many members are in an average peer group and are they always growing the same type of, of crops or, or produce that you are? 
Yeah. So average, I would say around 20 to 30 max is about what's in a group. So like I said, it's relatively small. You really do get to know one another well. And there's a huge diversity from lettuce farmers to cotton farmers to rice growers. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of everything. So as you can imagine, we learn a lot from each other. That is that is fantastic. And Karen, how long have you been participating in the peer groups and have been seeing this in action? Uh, we've been a part of the group for several years now. Uh, we have been a part of the GM group, which is the general manager group, the operations manager group, which is the OM group, uh, the dads group, which kind of helps the transition from the dad role to the next generation, as well as the women's peer group, which is for any women in the operation. All right. Now I've got one final question for you, Karen, here on the peer groups. A lot of the farmers I know, when you tell them, hey, you're going to come to a meeting, you're going to sit in a chair for five hours, they kind of glaze over. Tell us a little bit about what the experience is like when you all get together in your peer group. What's the back and forth like? And do you mind having to sit and share for so long instead of driving a tractor? Yes. Yeah, so you're right. Most farmers are not one to go to a meeting and definitely not sit still for long. Um, but the topics are so on cue that it really goes pretty quickly, as well as there's a lot of sharing. Like like Matt had said, and I had said that that's probably the best part is hearing from others what worked, what didn't work. And they throw in some fun. We go bowling or wine tasting or whatever it may be to kind of change it up a little bit throughout the day. That is so cool. The ability to build those networks and, and have those friends, not just around the corner, but around the country, trying new things, maybe being the canary in the coal mine on some of your ideas. Matt, I know you've had a chance to work closely with the community here of Uncommon Farms. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's affected your operation? It's affected us um, many different ways, mostly all positive. Uh, probably one of the most important was when my dad passed away in the middle of harvest in 2016. Uh, he passed away on a Saturday evening and Monday morning. We literally had people on our doorstep ready to go to work. Um, our farm ran for over a week uh, seamlessly without us really being a part of it. And I mean, just the, the people, and I've said this a hundred times in the last couple of days, the people, the people, the people, and whether it's other farms or staff, uh, the people are amazing. They are. Matt, and how long had you been a member of Uncommon Farms before your dad passed away in 2016? We've been a member since 2010. 2010. So you had six years of network and community and friendships built up that when the time happened and you needed help, they were there. Oh, they came in droves. That is fantastic. And so since then, of course, I imagine that only intensified your commitment to keep working with Uncommon Farms in the time since. Absolutely. And it, it just it gets better. You meet new people every day, every year, and it just gets better. And Matt, you mentioned there, you're you're east of St. Louis a little bit. You've got that good corn soybean ground in Illinois. How else have Uncommon Farms members and community worked to support your operation? How have they added a little extra value to, to your farm? Once again, there's so many ways. I mean, whether like Michelle was talking about earlier, whether it's HR, uh, legal, um, accounting, finance, uh, Karen talking about the peer groups. I've been a part of the peer groups for seven years, um, but I could go on and on and on. Well, let's go on a little bit, Matt. That's why we're here. We're talking to you about what was it like in your experience? Again, corn, soybean grower, that's a lot of our listeners right here. In your work with the peer groups, how did that work transition to better success on the farm? Just making you more of a professional manager, did you feel? Yeah, I believe so. Um, a professional, more professional manager, um, leadership, um, handling employees, so to get the positive results that you're looking for, 
um, agronomy, um, especially talking to other farmers with the new things that they're doing at technology, all sorts of things. It is it is really, really neat. Matt, what can you think of in, in your experience? Have you had any challenges on the farm that you just couldn't get over? You reached out to the group and got an answer? Uh, well, I, I, for sure, I would say in all aspects of our business that has changed, but, um, specifically, um, you know, HR, like everybody has been, has been an issue and, uh, previous years we've had to do things just to get enough people to run the farm and, and that, that, uh, help was, uh, invaluable. Um, and we've, we've worked through that and just in general, I guess I would say, you know, a lot of farms, the saying is saying always goes farming is a, is a way of life. And, and that's true. But if you don't make enough money, your, your way of life is going to go away. So they've really helped us to, uh, to run our, our farm as, as a business so that we can maintain our way of life and, and keep the, keep the tradition, tradition going for our kids and grandkids. So. Are there any changes any of you are considering on your operations here for 2023, maybe based on ideas you've learned from the community, Matt, any, uh, either Matt, any thoughts? Um, we have, uh, special relationships within the group here that, uh, um, we have uh, some uh, some uh, non-GMO or conventional corn mm. type opportunities that are available to us, and that's always a consideration. And um, going forward, that will be I, I think it'll be a big thing going forward. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Matt, and you've talked about the specialty crop impact here. And Karen, have you ha have you had a good experience just talking to the agronomists about the different crops, the different uh, the different researchers on hand here with Uncommon Farms? Yes, yeah, so definitely they bring in all kind of experts, you know, from different crops, different places that give us kind of an inside track of what the market is doing and what's coming next and what they're looking for. So that's been helpful for us in a lot of ways to kind of prepare for knowing what's coming down the line of what we need to be getting ready for. That is a great point. And Karen, things just keep accelerating, doesn't it? On the things we have to know on our operation, Michelle talked about those rules and regulations continuing to change. And I, that causes me to lose sleep at night. I don't have any employees. Matt, you're trying to run a business. Having a network like this has to be a little extra security blanket as you look at the pending changes coming to our industry. Is that accurate? It's very accurate. And that's probably, I wish I would have said that earlier, but probably one of the brightest points of the organization is when you're sitting at your desk and you say, what do I do? They're the first people I call. And the first phone call, you may not have an answer, but shortly thereafter you will, or at least be put in touch with the right person that can answer your question. So that's probably top three, one of the most important things about the organization. It is pretty incredible to see the kind of tight-knit community that's formed here. I've had a chance to work with uh, the folks here at Uncommon Farms for the last two days, and the openness, I think, is contagious for a group like this. There's there's a lot of folks looking to share their expertise. Folks, we've been talking today with Matt Emmerich, Matt Leishner, and Karen Edwards, all farmer members here of Uncommon Farms. Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to have more AOA coming up here at the Uncommon Farms Winter Conference. So don't go anywhere. We'll have more coming up after this. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA.
Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Each season, farmers put it all on the line. So it's just good business to get every advantage you can. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system created the Spray Early Weed Control Guarantee. When you spray before or at planting, you can give yourself a season-long advantage over weeds, and it can help boost your yield potential. Show weeds you mean business and learn more about guaranteed weed control at roundupreadyextend.com slash sprayearly. Guarantee is subject to program terms and conditions. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. <laughs> I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. 
That's the Trelleborg booth, 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. On the first Wednesday of every month here on AOA, we get together for the monthly grind, a conversation about corn demand and the partnerships it takes to make that corn industry profitable with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association. Joining us now is Troy Schneider. He's the chair of the Market Development Action Team for the National Corn Growers Association. Had the chance back in December to travel over to Europe. Over in the European Union, when we were there for the CPA, one of the topics that came up was the, the methane tax emission on cattle and then the reduced use of um, pesticides. The farmers over in the European Union do not feel like they are appreciated, that they're wanted. What we all came away with is we need to learn from their mistakes. How do we go forward? How do we make sure that those policies don't come over here? We do have those policies coming to the head every once in a while here in the United States, but we have that strong voice within CBA, within CGA in Washington, D.C. This monthly grind recap is sponsored by the National Corn Growers Association. Be sure to tune in the first Wednesday of every month for the monthly grind here on AOA. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues here in Tucson, Arizona with our friends from Uncommon Farms. And we've been talking about the work that community does on the farm day to day. For this last segment, we're going to take a step back and we're going to look at the work that community does outside the members' farms. Joining us to do that, we're going to be speaking with Carmen Maimon, Tim Agrilke, and Mary Ann Morris. And Carmen, my first question is to you. I want you to tell us a little bit about the Uncommon Farms 501c3 and what's it for? Well, the Uncommon Farms has had a 5013C since 2010. And from the early start, our organization had a strong giving culture. We knew that. Um, we knew together we could do more than we could do by ourselves. But none of us really had any nonprofit experience. So a board was formed and we learned along the way. So one of the things we learned was that you have to stand for something or you fall for anything, just like the song. And we wanted to use agriculture as a vehicle for change. So number one, Uncommon Farms Foundation has certain criteria that it uses to decide what projects to give to. And if the project is related to agriculture and one of our initiatives, like family, education, hunger, water, or self-sufficiency, then they're, they're a candidate. Number two, we knew we wanted to be a big fish in a small pond so that whatever we were working on, our donation would make a significant difference. And number three, the Uncommon Farms Foundation serves at the pleasure of Uncommon Farms. So we are the charitable arm. And since the beginning, we have raised over $683,000 from within our organization. And that's something that I think we need to celebrate. Absolutely. More than half a million dollars, well over half a million dollars raised internally. That's Those funds here, they're coming from members, not outsiders. And members and um, uh, our strategic partners, too. They participate as well. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Reaching out and making those dollars go farther to tell the story of Ag. Tima, if you would, tell us a little bit about the kind of projects the board has supported. Okay. So Uncommon Farms has developed premium partnerships and who know that they can count on us yearly. And some of those include Life's Heart, which is an agriculture ministry in Kenya. 
And we've helped them drill water wells, um, helped with water storage, irrigation, and have also helped plant banana orchards there um, for sustainability. Fit to Serve is another organization that has focused on education while teaching students and children where their food comes from. And the Jerseyville Backpack Program sends food home with underprivileged children to help fight weekend hunger. And we also have an awesome scholarship program and we award five scholarships each year, three ag career scholarships and two trade scholarships. And in fact, if you know of any graduating seniors at this time, um, please point them towards our website, which is uncommonfarmsfoundation.org. And they can go there and find the application and go ahead and apply. And those are due March 15th. And um, we also bring service projects to our, to our organization so that members can participate. Um, it's an opportunity to serve and to give back in the communities that we meet in. <clears throat> Some of the things we've done is we've served in soup kitchens, food pantries. We've packaged food for Rise Against Hunger, um, which then distributes that food throughout the world. We've also helped with some erosion projects where we've um, built oyster mats and planted trees along the Chattanooga River. Um, so those were fun projects to do. Uh, we have a ma matching funds program where we encourage our teams to participate in doubling their funds that they give within their community. And then our disaster program provides immediate relief to those in need who um, need due to devastation um, caused by natural disasters. That is fantastic. And I'm struck by how many of the projects the foundation's working on have concrete results. We've got a well, you've got water, we've got a banana, now you've got food. Getting mm -hmm. things done in mm -hmm. action. Marianne, and that leads to me to my next question. Looking out over this next year, what's the foundation got in the in the work? Well, we have a, an annual retreat, and at our annual retreat this fall, we decided to uh, focus on our newest program. And actually, it's been mentioned a couple of times this week. We it's called the Empowering Community Award. So while we're here, we're trying to get our member farms to pick an organization in their local community. They, they probably are already supporting that organization. But once we receive all those nominees, we, we're going to put them in a basket and we're going to draw two winners. And they're going to win $2,500 to take back to their local communities. We, we feel like we can make a significant impact in our local communities and help empower others and provide hope. That is a great point. We all love to have a little hope. Marianne, if we've got listeners out there, they're looking for a way to give hope. How can they get in touch? Do you take donations from non-members or how does the fundraising work? Yes, we actually, our, our fundraising event this week is, is tomorrow night, Thursday night. And we always have a really fun event. And like it's been mentioned several times before, we have very generous people in the, in this conference. They, they just blow us away. We're very blessed. And, um, we are so fundraising is our main focus as well and as soon as we get that money in it goes right back out the door and obviously if if someone listening would like to give they can go to our website at uncommonfarmsfoundation.org and there there would be a way for them to donate absolutely and it's also the website uncommonfarmsfoundation.org we need to check out by March to get the college scholarships Tim what was that deadline for March that deadline is March 15th 
March 15th. Folks, if you've got a graduating senior looking ahead to school this next year, I've got news for you. It's not getting cheaper. Check out scholarships, <laughs> uncommonfarmsfoundation.org. We've been speaking with Marianne Morris, Carmen Maimon, and Tim Grulke. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks for the good work you do getting the word about agriculture out there in tasks that show concrete examples being done. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. And folks, do be sure to tune into AOA tomorrow. We are going to dig into the fertilizer industry with our friend Josh Linville, the vice president of fertilizer at StoneX. We're also going to get into WASDE, the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates that were released earlier, excuse me, later on this morning coming from the USDA. Now, we're not anticipating huge changes to these WASDE numbers as they come out, but the trade is watching. As we sit here to close out our morning, we're seeing this action be relatively both sides of unchanged. We've got corn in the green. We've got beans mixed heading into the WASDE report. And we've got wheat showing some surprising strength up six to seven cents here ahead of that supply and demand estimate report. Folks, do be sure to tune in. As I mentioned again tomorrow, we'll have that conversation with Josh Linville on fertilizer. We're also going to dig in to the ethanol industry in India. Ron Lamberti recently took a trip out there and he's going to fill us in on what to expect. Folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for more AOA. Learn more at farmrescue.org. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. That's the Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.